Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, July the 19th, 2023. It is currently 8.22 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from outside the National Sword Conference in North Carolina. Okay, no, not not really. I'm coming to you live from the studios of the Theology Central podcast. The Theology Central studio, not studios. It's, it's just, it's one room. The Theology Central studio located here in Abilene, Texas. But from this studio, virtually, I was at the 2023 National Sword Conference. Virtually, I was there via live streaming, via YouTube. I watched... Day day number three of the Sword Conference come to an end. Day three of the conference, it's over, it's history, it's gone, and tomorrow is the final day of the conference. But wow, 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 wow. What do we do with day three of the 2023 National Sword Conference? I don't really know. Now, it just literally ended, what, I don't know, 15 minutes ago? 20 minutes ago, when it was first over, I, I I got up, walked downstairs, I walked outside, I went uh, to the backyard, to the pool, and it looks really nice, and I put my hand in it, it was very, 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 very warm, and I'm thinking, maybe I should just go swimming, and not even do, just just give up, just, hey, just get in the swimming pool, and just swim tonight, like, that's all, let's just forget anything else, just forget anything, maybe I can forget about the the evening, maybe I can forget about most of day three of the 2023 National Sword Conference. And I don't necessarily want to be negative. I don't. I mean, look, I mean, it's not that I don't necessarily want to be negative. I don't want to be negative. I would much prefer to say this text was preached. Here is the interpretation they gave. This is how they expounded it. Here's where I agree. Here's where I disagree. I've never heard this interpretation. I was challenged. It was amazing the way they outlined it. It was they they brought in this, but when it was all said and done, time and time again, I how can you say this? Time and time again, I was left going I, like if you were to ask me after all of these sermons preached at the 2023 National Sword Conference, what did you actually learn about the text? Now, I think some of them stayed closer to the text, but over and over and over, the text seemed simply there so that they could go to a topic that they could just like, like, here's the text. And now we're just going to jump over here and make some points that are maybe somewhat connected to the text. I guess you could argue it was more application than, than, you know, than, than actually explaining the text. I, I, I don't know. It, it, it was so frustrating. Like, like, it's like they wanted to do application, but not really exposition. Maybe it was application over exposition. Maybe it was application over explanation. In many cases, it maybe, I don't, I don't even know. I, I, I'm still trying to process my thoughts, but I'm just very disappointed in day number three. So, so what we're going to do, and, and I tried now, I did, the, the last one I did, the last message I did, um, I I definitely tried to be more positive and deal with Genesis chapter 22 because at least an issue was brought up in that sermon that was preached in the morning session. It was definitely convicting, challenging, and it really challenged us maybe how we define worship and how we should. Ha- so so I was gr- glad for that. Now, that message is still hasn't been uploaded to the Sermons 2, 2.0 app or the Church One app. It's, I've been trying to upload it now for like two hours and it still won't, it, it still won't upload. I don't know. I've emailed, um, e- emailed them. They, they said to try again. I've tried, I don't know how many times I deleted it and tried again. So hopefully part six will get there and then this will be part seven. So hopefully we can get everything in the right order. But that one was somewhat positive and I'm glad because we found something there even though we could talk about how the text was handled at least there was something there that left us with man this this is challenging tonight I I don't know what I don't know what to do so I'm just going to get a, a couple of just things out of the way or just one thing mainly out of the way then we'll get into at least 
Maybe, maybe the first, maybe the first message tonight will use that. Maybe more the second message. I, I, I don't, I don't even really know. And again, if you watch the, the, the messages, well, then, you know, you, you, you look, if you have a different perspective, by all means, let me know. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. You may have a different perspective, but here we go. Once again, I think tonight, podcasts were mentioned, I believe, two more times. So I think that's a total of four times today. Podcast was mentioned, and every time they were mentioned, it was almost like they were, <laughs> it was almost podcast like 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 podcasters some evil entities that were birthed in the pit of hell it was so weird how like why it was like how they mentioned it was so weird but it's just i just don't get what their issue is like like podcast all all podcast is is basically an audio file that is distributed through podcasting apps via an RSS feed like like it's just a message it can be good or bad like that podcast like the entire category is some I don't know evil plot to destroy fundamentalism I, I don't understand it all of you independent fundamental Baptists you can have your own podcast you can if you post your sermons online and they go to Apple Podcast or Spotify or any of the podcasting apps, then you're a podcaster, whether you want to be. No, I'm a pastor. We're a church. And you distribute your sermons as, drum roll please, a podcast. So you're a podcaster. I know. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, 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 I'm not. Okay, okay. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. If you're a podcaster, it doesn't mean you've done anything bad. It doesn't mean anyone is. It's really weird. Like uh, their issue with podcast. It, I I don't get it. it. It's like, it's like independent fundamental Baptist. You used radio in the past to to get forth out your messages you use radio in the present with the fundamental broadcasting network so you use radio and then in all of the independent uh, radio stations that are basically translators tra- or transmitters of the fundamental broadcasting network we can get into their entire network and how it works but uh, so you're using radio that were that's an audio program that's just being transmitted via radio waves versus an RSS feed on the internet. I don't understand. Radio good, podcast bad. Like, I, I don't get it. It makes no sense. Hey, uh, Independent Fundamental Baptist, you've written some books. So you distributed some of your messages via books. Oh, you have the sword of the Lord. You distribute some of your messages via newspaper. Okay. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's the platform. It's just a tool. Like, and it, it was so weird that that, and I guess they felt like, they feel like that podcasters are mean to them and podcasters criticize them and how dare, and it's, it's so weird again to hear the independent fundamental Baptist acting like they hate us and they attack us and they criticize us when and all they do is attack and criticize. In fact, even on the YouTube channel tonight, I there were so many times on the YouTube channel tonight, I wanted to at least say something, but I thought the chat, there was of no value coming from that. But someone in, in there, because the pastor was going after podcasters and these people who do this and these people, and someone in the channel was like, name names, brother, name names, call them out, expose them. Okay, well then... If you're going to be naming names and calling them out and exposing them, well, then other people are going to call you out and expose you. Like, that's the way it works. It's just, I, I've, I was in the independent fundamental Baptist world for so long, that kind of independent fundamental Baptist world. I mean, I'm still independent Baptist. So, and I still believe in the fundamentals of the faith. So in some ways, I still consider myself a part of that world, just not exactly like that. But I, I, all I've ever heard that ho- my whole life in that world is, is the fighting fundamentals, the fighting fundamentalists. We're going to fight. We're going to call people out and, and we're not going to compromise. We're not going to fellowship with people who don't believe the way we do. And it's like, okay. And then it's so weird. I've never heard, I've never heard. I, I, it feels like so much from that world, almost like they're attacking us. They're mean to us. It, it, it just, it feels like something is wrong. 
It's like, who flipped the script? Because you used to attack and destroy everyone. And even though they still were attacking and destroying others, it just felt like the podcast is the bad thing. Here's the deal. Use the technology to clearly articulate the independent fundamental Baptist beliefs, to clearly articulate the independent fundamental, you know, distinctives. Clearly use them. You create as many podcasts as you want. Get every one of those independent fundamental Baptist churches to have their sermons distributed via podcast feeds to be on all the podcasting apps. Use everything. Create a pod page. If you don't know how, it's very simple. You just need an RSS feed. You submit the RSS feed and it just immediately turns into a pod page and that will cost you about $20 a month. I can help you get your message out. Now, I mean, whether I agree with them or disagree with them, use the technology. But here's kind of the world that what, what I was seeing. And, and this is very familiar to me. Now, when I was in the independent fundamental Baptist world, this kind of independent fundamental Baptist world that we were paying attention tonight at the 2023 National Sword Conference, there was something very, uh, very common in that world. And that world was this. If you're an independent fundamental Baptist, you were not to read those other books from those other people. You should not be reading Calvin. You shouldn't be reading Augustine. You shouldn't be reading the Westminster Shorter or Larger Catechism. You shouldn't be reading Luther's Catechism. You shouldn't be reading this. You shouldn't be going to Promise Keepers. You shouldn't be listening to MacArthur. You shouldn't be listening to Swindoll. You shouldn't be listening to Calvary Chapel. Just read and listen to Independent Fundamental Baptists because all of them are false. If they don't use the King James Bible, don't listen to them. You only listen to us. You know, you don't look, you don't read, you don't get exposed to anything else. It's only us. Well, I'm sorry. That's like the, a clear, like marker of a cult. You just isolate. Don't, don't read anything. Just read what we tell you. And I, I didn't go along with those rules. I was like, this is nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. Now you're going to tell me, because you already tell me what movies I can and can't watch. You already tell me what music I can and cannot watch. And now you're going to tell me what preaching I can and cannot listen to. Now you're going to tell me what Christian books I can or cannot read. I'm sorry. No, because listen, when you do that, then look, how are you ever going to know if your ideas are maybe right or wrong? Because you can't be exposed to any other ideas. Now, if you know me, I reject that mentality outright. I tell my people, and even on this podcast, listen to this. Hey, I told you to go watch the 2023 National Sword Conference. I, I like anytime I know of a live a conference that's live, I'll tell you to watch it. I'll tell you to go check out the sermons at Bethel, even though I completely think their theology is whacked and and want that theology removed from the face of the earth. I I'll tell you to read this, check this, investigate this, watch this. Do, I, I don't. I'm not like hey 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 lock the doors, shut the windows, pull the blinds down, build a wall. Don't let anybody in. Don't look out there. Everything out there is bad. Just listen to me. Just listen to the people I agree with. I'll tell you the preachers to listen to. I'll tell you the books to read. I will isolate you and indoctrinate you so that you will never question me because all you ever read and all you ever listen to will agree with what I already tell you. And then we'll all be in agreement. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that. And and you heard a little bit of that. Be careful. These websites, and he started talking about, there's these websites out there that challenge this. That was the second sermon, who challenges this or says this. And it's like, yeah, there's websites. Oh, imagine that. There's websites that offer a different perspective. <gasps> who could have thought? Did you know that would happen? Did you know? And so you got to tell your people to, you got to help your people stay away. Why would you tell your people to stay away from them? You should encourage your people, look at them and let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's struggle with the issues. You, you look at it. I'll, I'll turn on the microphone. I mean, I know this is podcasting. You can turn on the microphone and say, we're going to talk about it. We're going to address it. We're going to work on it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to work through it. I don't get the mentality of isolation, hiding. 
I don't get that. And that was a little bit on display again tonight. And it was like, you know, don't just stay away from everything other than the approved group. And they have to be strong, conservative, KJV-only, independent, fundamental Baptist. Everyone else is suspect. Everyone else is dangerous. Don't listen to those Calvinists. Don't listen to anybody else. Just stay right here. Stay right here. And it's just like that mentality is, I'm sorry. I, 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 I No, I'm not sorry. It's straight up cult-like. It's straight up cult-like. Sometimes dealing with those Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, they won't read or, or, or look at material that calls into question what they believe. Now, they, maybe they do so now, but in other times when, when I dealt with them and, and, and had lots of encounters with Mormons, mainly, mainly with Mormons, um, I, I had, you know, lots of good conversations, but it's just like you had to be very careful how you approached it because you, if any other literature outside of what the approved literature was, that was, that was hostile and you don't believe it, you don't listen to it. And it's just like, I, that is such a dangerous way to live your life. You, it, it's just a dangerous way. But that, I want to just get that out of the way. So the first sermon tonight, the text was Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2. Now, if you were to ask me, based off the sermon that I heard tonight in Ezekiel chapter 2, anything about the historical context of Ezekiel 2 or the book of Ezekiel, no. The basic overview of Ezekiel, the basic background, no. If, 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 you, if, I, if you were to ask me any questions about the basic textual context of Ezekiel 2, no. Now, he, if he did mention anything, none of it stuck, all right? Because... We get Ezekiel chapter 2. Let me just read some of it. Ezekiel chapter 2. And he said unto me, please note it starts with and, but okay, I digress. And he said unto me, son of man, stand upon thy feet and I will speak unto thee. And the spirit entered into me. And when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. Now, if you, if you, uh, know anything about, uh, you know, uh, the Old Testament, this is the common state, Israel, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom found themselves disobedience, 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 because all the law does was is provoke the disobedience and condemn the disobedience. And they were in a perpetual state of disobedience. For they are impudent, impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord God. And they whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Though, uh, though uh, briars and thorns be with thee, and though thou doest well among scorpions, be not afraid of their works, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And what he wanted to take this text, there's a lot there we could get into, but he wanted to say the faithful preacher, the faithful preacher. What makes someone a faithful preacher? So he, he so Ezekiel was just kind of like, you see Ezekiel say he was told to preach and he was preaching to our rebellious people. And okay, so what makes, he just kind of used it a little bit and then he just kind of went on his way. He So what makes someone a faithful preacher? All right, that I mean, I got no problem. I, I, I and it's going to challenge me and and tell me what I need to do to be a better preacher. Well, he then said, "Satan is a liar. He is the father of lies." And he quoted some scripture about Satan being a liar. Okay, so Ezekiel two. Then he leaves Ezekiel. 
and then goes talking about Satan is a liar. Even though Satan's not even mentioned in Ezekiel 2, he goes and says Satan is a liar. Okay. And that Satan is a liar and we have been lied to. Now, at this point, he's already forgotten about Ezekiel. Ezekiel's just been left. We've abandoned Ezekiel. Okay. We don't know. We don't know anything about Ezekiel. We've not dealt with anything in the text, but that's okay. Who cares? All right. Satan is a liar and you have been lied to. And then it goes straight Alex Jones. I don't know if it was Alex Jones. I don't know if it was Tucker Carlson. I don't know if there was the Republican talking points, but it just went off the rails. Then this is what we got. And I wrote it down. Open borders. We've been lied to. We've been told the borders are closed, but they're open. And all of these people are pouring into the country. We've got a problem. We've been lied to. We were lied to about COVID. We were lied to about the vaccine. We were lied to about that. So all of COVID was a We're lied to about open borders. We're lied to about COVID. Oh, we were lied to about January the 6th. I guess January the 6th was just a, a, a normal day. It was a walk in the park. It was was a picnic. It was no big deal, I guess. We were lied to. There was no insurrection. There was no riot. It was fine. I guess we were lied to about January the 6th. We were lied to by the 2020 election results. Now, this is where I had to almost stop my, I mean, I, I literally in the, I, oh, I, I almost, I, multiple times I typed out something in the YouTube channel chat because I was just going to, oh, I was just going to lose it. But man, mm, 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 mm. the pastor's going to stay. And now, he, now he's promoting basically all it's political and it's conspiratorial. Now, if he's so big and bad that he can prove that we rely to about the 2020 election results, here's an idea. Go ahead. Talk some trash. Talk about the computer programs, Right. Because remember Fox News broadcasted all kinds of lies about the computer software that was used that supposedly changed the votes and caused the election to be. And they got sued for like a billion dollars. And why did Fox News, did Fox News produce all of the evidence to prove that the election was actually overthrown and these computer systems actually, no, 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 no. It's what Dominion and Smartmatic, I think are the two. And I think this was Dominion who, who, uh, who uh, sued them. They settled for like $757 million. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. They didn't prove the election was stolen. They paid out. And now they're going to be sued by the other company. Come on. If that preacher is so big, you slander those companies by name. Hopefully they take you to court, take the sword of the Lord to court, take all of you to court. And then you see if you can prove that you were lied to about the election. Come on. Put your money where your mouth. If you're going to say that behind the pulpit. No, he's talking about being a faithful preacher. Or if you're going to tell everyone, hey, all of you were lied to about the election. Prove it. And if you can't prove it, go to court and then try to prove it in court. Remember when Newsmax and many of the other ones had to kind of start. They had to kind of backtrack on some of their claims. Because they were getting ready to be sued into oblivion. Fox News got sued. And what did they do? They settled. Because now things were coming out. Even many of the on-air hosts behind the scenes were saying, we don't believe any of this nonsense. But on the air, they kept selling the lie. Now, again, if you believe, you can believe something was uh, stolen, the election was stolen. You can believe that. But if you're going to make a dogmatic assertion, then it's up to you to prove it. You're standing behind the pulpit where you are not to bear false witness. You are to put away lying and you are to speak the truth. You may think things were wrong about COVID. That's okay. But there's a time and place to say that. But you're talking about being a faithful preacher and he went straight Alex Jones, straight Tucker Carlson, straight Fox News, straight all of it. Just there was nothing about Ezekiel 2. Oh, but he wasn't done yet. He had the open border. He had COVID. He had January the 6th. He had 2020 election results. Benghazi. 
still to, we've been lied to about Benghazi. He uh, Hunter Biden laptop. He had to do the Hunter Biden laptop. Jeffrey Epstein. He didn't really kill himself. No way he killed himself. Okay. Then we had um, Biden. Something about oh oh Ukraine. Of course, because he's against giving money to Ukraine because we want we want to watch Russia come in invade Ukraine and kill Ukrainians. We want that country to I guess go to Putin. I guess because it's. You know, everyone involved in Ukraine is the I guess Ukraine is the bad guy. Russia is the good guy. I don't know. This is being preached at a Bible conference for crying out loud and a sermon about Ezekiel chapter two about being a faithful preacher. He's going to be a faithful preacher by giving. I don't even need to go to the sword of the Lord conference. I can just listen to that. I don't know that podcast bad, you know, the bad word called. I don't know. Alex Jones. I mean, there, there, there's, there's a plenty of, of right-wing-leaning podcasts that I can listen to. I don't need the sword of the Lord. And then I, the most ironic thing in the history of humankind, after he goes through all of that, literally nothing to do with Ezekiel, literally nothing to do with anything. Right after he basically started trying to give me the MAGA, the, the Trump wing of the Republican Party talking points, right? MAGA, well, yeah, what make America great again? Whatever they refer to themselves as. Okay, after he does all of that, then he's like, as a faithful preacher, I'm, I'm grabbing my Bible. You have to preach the word, and I'm like. He doesn't see how ironic it is. He's telling them now what they need to do is preach the word. You just spent 10 minutes, 15 minutes preaching conspiracy theories. You read Ezekiel 2. You're not even dealing with the text. You didn't went to Satan being a liar. And now you went straight up to list every conspiracy theory. And you say, what preachers need to do is get back to the book. Well, you should have never left the book. You're here to pe- preach Ezekiel 2. And see, I always tell you about the political hijacking of the church. I think some of you think I make it up. I think some of you think that I'm just crazy. We we have seen it in the Sword of the Lord conference. It's not the Sword of the Lord. It's a it, it's so not now. There's to be fair. There were at least two preachers who who condemned the politicizing of the church, and I'm so glad that they were there. I'm thankful for those men. But we've seen the politicizing. So he says, preach. The word. Preach the word. We need preachers. 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 Now, that was the first one. The second message was basically your typically KJV onlyism 101. You know, basically, if you don't use the King James, you don't have a Bible. Like, you don't have a Bible unless you use the King James is basically their argument. But he talked about preaching as well. So someone listening made a very good observation, an awesome observation about trying to kind of understand why they preach the way they preach. And they preach the way they preach because, and and there was a comment made, I think it was in the second sermon, where they, they, they you know, we, you should be a preacher, not a teacher. Like now teaching is good, but we need preachers. And so they drew this massive distinction between preaching and teaching preaching and teaching and that we need to get back in the pulpit to preaching. Teaching can be done somewhere else, I guess, but we need preachers who will preach. Now, I will say this. If preaching means reading a text, basically ignoring the text, creating points that may have some loose, 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 loose connection to the text. You never explain the text. You never, uh, you know, you never, you never explain it. You never exegete it. You don't, you don't do, you don't, you don't do anything actually with the text of any great significance, but all you do is, I guess, scream and yell about application to try to motivate or try to exhort. If that's preaching, then for crying out loud, give me teaching. But the question is, the question is, though, what should happen in the church? What is the biblical model? Is the biblical model for a preacher to preach or is the biblical model is for someone to stand behind the pulpit and teach? 
Now, some people make a huge distinction here between preaching and teaching. Some people make a gigantic distinction and they thought the pastor's job is to preach. I want preaching. I don't want teaching. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. You, you, you okay to do that? You okay to talk a little bit about this? You okay? You, you want to do that? I hope you are because we're going to. We're, go, we're going to talk about this, right? Because I did a little bit of work. All right. Is there a difference between preaching and teaching? This question is one of many that professor and preacher Jonathan, Jonathan T. Pennington addresses in his book, Small Preaching, 25 Little Things You Can Do Now to Become a Better Preacher. All right, now here we go. I recently, now this is, uh, I guess, from the book. It's for, again, Jonathan T. Pennington addresses in his book, Small Preaching, 25 Little Things You Can Do to Become a Better Preacher. I probably should read it because there's probably 50 things I could do to become a better preacher. Obviously, I need to stop listening to podcasts. Okay, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Obviously, what I need to do is listen and I should get my sermon outlines from Alex Jones is what I should start doing. I knew I was listening to Alex Jones for a reason. He gives preachers their podcasts. I should watch Fox News and listen to Alex Jones and I'll be the best preacher there's ever been. And I guess I would actually have a church with a lot of people because some of these people doing this kind of stuff, they actually have churches with lots of people and people support them financially. I'm doing something clearly, clearly, clearly wrong. All right, here we go. I quote, and this is from Logos.com. I recently had lunch with a former student who is now 10 years into planting a growing inner city church. He was asking my advice about how to build an educational plan that would provide his people with a richer and broader theological education. All right, now I'm going to stop right here. Now this, I think this is why my, this, I, 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 look, I'm going to be willing to, I'm going to be honest with you. I think one, look, there's a lot of reasons you could argue why my church is small. One, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere, Texas. But I have made a clear decision early, early, early on. A, a, I mean, on, I was very determined to make this decision that from the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church would be a place, would be a source of a rich and broad theological education that we were going to dig in that we were going to we were going to cover anything and everything doctrine theology church history hermeneutics soteriology you name you name the issue we were going to deal with it we were going to struggle with it and we were going to work on it and we were going and we and 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 that's what we were going to do and 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 the church my church has been accused countless times of being more of a seminary than a a, a sermon. I have been told multiple times, it feels like you're in a, a college classroom, not a church. It doesn't feel like a church. It doesn't feel like a sermon. I just want a sermon. I, ju I just want, I just want, I just want preaching. I don't want, and, and, I, and I've been, and many people have left because of it. Many people have left. Now, my, my feelings have been, there's got to be someone out there somewhere who wants a rich theological education. There's got to be someone out there who wants to dig in, who wants to ask the question. There's got to be someone somewhere. Now, wherever those people are, clearly they're nowhere near Ovalo, Texas, clearly, because we just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller till probably the day comes we will no longer exist because clearly there's not an audience for it. They don't want that. They want sermons. They, they want preaching. They don't really want teaching. So this person is asking where this religion, I need a plan for religious education. You ask me, it's behind the pulpit. Show up Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. We're going to, we're going to dig in. We're going to dig in. We'll deal with whatever issue we have to deal. We just dealt with a lot of issues because we're in Jeremiah and when the Bible study guide dealt with the idea of a covenant. So we dealt with all of the complexities and the issues of the new covenant. 
We went straight in. We, most churches would not even bother trying to even cover that from the pulpit. Now, most people would probably leave my church as a result of it. I probably would be fired in 99% of churches. They'd be like, what are you doing? We give us a sermon. Now, let's see. I know that this is where it's going to go. But let's see what he has to say here. He was lamenting that there was so much his people needed to learn. His sermons were already long and often complicated. And he felt, he felt the need to say even more. My advice to him, you're trying to do too much in your sermons. Preach shorter sermons and teach in other venues. I wholeheartedly reject this concept. It's hard enough to get people to show up to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. It's hard enough to accomplish that. So you're telling me that I need to make those messages shorter, simpler, keep it simple, and then, I guess, have a Tuesday night class or a Thursday night class or a Friday, have a, an additional, I say, I reject that. I reject that. I believe every person who walks, the church, the job of the church is to equip saints that they're no longer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I believe that is supposed to be occurring from the, pulp, the pulpit, not a special class that see who can make it. It should happen every time the doors of the church open and I stand behind a pulpit, I should be giving people the most in-depth religious education, theological education I possibly can to equip them so they will no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I may make a million mistakes. I may stumble over words. I may not pronounce things correctly. I may use double negatives. I may get my, I may do everything wrong that you're supposed to, to do, but I can strive to do that. I reject this outright. Now he goes on. The good pastor's problem, one that is common for all of us who value theological education, is that he had not yet gotten clear in his mind the important distinction between preaching and teaching. As a result of this conflation, he was trying to do things with his sermons that can only be done with teaching to the detriment of both his preaching and his church members' growth. Now, if I agree with this, then I have been, if he, if this article is true, then I have been detrimental to my church members' growth. Now, I, I, I look, I'm, I, I don't know everything. So I've got no problem acknowledging that maybe I've been detrimental to people's spiritual growth. If it was the case, it was never the desire. The desire was to, pe- to give people the thorough, deep religious education that I believe is supposed to be happening from the pulpit. I don't believe it's supposed to be on a class on a Thursday night. I believe it's supposed to be happening every time the church doors open. We're going to dig in and we're going to study and we're not going to leave any stone unturned. And we don't care how complicated, difficult it may be, because I believe the people have the ability to comprehend. I don't like that idea that the people can't get it. That they, no, no, stop that. Don't tell me my people are dumb. They're smart enough to figure it out. Now, there may be some difficulties and there may be some ups and downs and there may be some, some problems in trying to make this all work. But I think you, I, I disagree. Now, if they're right, though, then I've, I've hurt people's spiritual growth. Now, here, here's, here's the key here. The difference between preaching and teaching. We can define preaching as the invitational, exhortational proclamation of biblical and theological truth. Preaching is the invitational, exhortational proclamation of biblical and theological truth. Teaching, by contrast, is the explanation and the explication of biblical and theological truth. So here's the difference they want to make. Preaching, it's invitational, it's exhortational, and it's the proclamation of theological truth. Teaching is the explanation, the explication of biblical and theological truth. 
what is shared between Christian preaching and teaching is the content, biblical and theological truth. The different lies in the mode and immediate goal. Preaching is biblical and theological content selected and presented in a mode of proclamation with the immediate goal of invitation and exhortation. So in preaching, it's supposed to be you proclaim it. You proclaim it and you invite people to respond to it and you exhort them to follow it and obey it. And I think that's where a lot of it becomes law-based, but okay. All right. So there's like, I'm just proclaiming, teaching is the biblical and theological content presented in a more detailed and systematic way for the purpose of explaining and unpacking complex issues, their interconnectedness and their implications. There is overlap, but there is also distinction. Now that to me, that's what I think should be done in the pulpit every time someone stands behind the pulpit. I think what someone should be doing behind the pulpit is presenting biblical and theological content in a detailed, systematic way for the purpose of explaining and unpacking the complex issues, pointing out their interconnectedness and their implications. That's what I believe should be happening behind the pulpit. Now, in so doing that, you can slide over into proclaiming and to exhorting or to inviting. You can, you can do that as well when the text allows it. When, when, once you, once you've explained it, once you've showed the interconnectedness, once you've worked through the complexities. Now, sometimes the sermon ends and all you've been able to do is show the complexity and the interconnectedness and you don't have an answer, but you keep working on it. And then slowly, but surely somewhere in dealing with it, you can slide over to Come on, this is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to respond. This is not what we're supposed to do. You can then do that. I believe both can should be occurring to some level, but the first thing you should be trying to do is explain, exegete, explore, understand. But such verbal definitions only get us so far. It is also helpful to conceptualize the relationship of preaching and teaching with a Venn diagram. And so they've got a diagram here over to the far left is preaching. Underneath that word is invitation and exhortation. Then they have kind of a circle. In the middle is biblical and theological truth. The, the preaching circle kind of takes covers up the biblical and theological truth. It goes around it. And then on the far right is teaching, explication, and explanation. And then that circle goes around. So both of them overlap because the content is biblical and theological truth, but the mode and the purpose are different. Both preaching and teaching communicate biblical and theological truth, but their modes and goals are different. We can also approach the preaching and teaching distinction from another angle. Preaching is monological, while teaching is dialogical. Preaching is communication that moves in only one direction. From the preacher, uh, from the preacher to the, uh, in the pulpit to the hearers in the pew. So, in a sense, preaching is monological. It's, 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 it's the work of one. Right? It's, it's a monologue. It's not a dialogue. It's monological, right? It's, I, I preach, they listen. I preach, they listen. They are to basically be quiet and listen to me. If you've ever listened to me, you know I loathe monological monologues. I, I, I don't like preaching as a monologue. I do not like that. I don't. Now, listen, if my theology was different, I would like, if I was a Catholic, I would love monologue. <laughs> okay. Because the people don't have the right to interpret, right? It's, it's what the church, the church has the authority to interpret, not the people, the, the magisterial authority. They tell you what it means. Now in the Protestant world, we claim the pastor has authority, but you and I both know that's a joke. You know that's a sham. I'm so sick and tired of hearing it. I have no authority. People people will say, amen, pastor, I love your teaching. And then boom, they leave you. Why? Because then they stopped liking your teaching, 
right? So I could monologue all day because I think I've, I'm the one who's supposed to preach. I'm the one who's supposed to interpret. They sit there and go, disagree, 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 disagree. Or they're back there doing this when you're trying to preach. They're looking things up and not looking at you because they're finding out all the things you did wrong. And then they come tell you you did wrong and then they leave. That, that's, that's what happens. Okay, so then what, what's the point of the monologue, right? What's the point, right? And, and not only that, I, I, just, I just, all you're doing is listening to someone. And when I think it's a monologue, it creates to me where the sermon then takes on a template where you have to, you've got to have that introduction and you've got to have the three points and then you've got to have the, it follows a template where it becomes a speech more than I think it becomes an actual place of learning. The goal, how many sermons do people remember? So I don't like the monologue. I, so therefore, if you listen to me, it's a dialogue, right? I like to, to take people on the journey. I, I like to kind of use the Socratic method. I like to ask questions. I like to get people thinking. I may even present it like, I don't even understand. I don't even know the answer. I don't even know what's going on. Pulling people in. So that it, that it gives that feeling that we're all working together to try to figure this out. In many cases, we are actually working together to figure it out because in some cases, I don't even have the answer. So preacher, preaching is communication that moves in only one direction, from the preacher in the pulpit and the, uh, to the hearers in the pews. Even in a vibrantly interactive setting, such as common in the, in the black church, the content is given by the preacher while the congregation provides vocal and sometimes musical encouragement. But it's still monological in that sense. It's still, he's doing, they're encouraging, but he's, he's delivering it. Teaching, on the other hand, if done well, is dialogical by nature. The communication of the, of content is driven by the teacher, but questions from the hearers shape the conversation and interchange that happens in the classroom. Good teaching is inherently dialogical. Well, I don't know if I do good teaching, but I try to make it inherently dialogical. Now, sometimes it's, it's to my own detriment. And sometimes it's to the detriment of the sermon because I'm trying to ask and ask and ask and nobody knows what I'm talking about or they seem like they don't remember and which sometimes can become very awkward for everyone involved, right? Sometimes people don't like the dialogical because they feel like they get put on the spot, which that's my fault. I got to do better at not trying to put people on the spot, but I want the people involved. See, I, my, my thing is I don't want you sitting there passively just like, well, that's a good sermon. I'm done. I'm going home. No, I want you to like, oh, hey, look. Oh, no, no. I, I see you, right? Hey, let's go. Let's go. Come on. Dig in. What do you think? 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 Come on. Come on. Come on. Ask some questions. Come on. Let's go. Let's dig in. Now, some now I think most people hate how I approach it. So these people would say that belongs in the classroom. But look, if you put it in the classroom, how many people are going to show up? Even... I mean, look, I, I, I've been in too many churches. I've seen this. I've seen this. First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas. I don't know how many people were packed in there on a Sunday morning, but there was a lot of people. Their, their 5 p.m. Sunday evening discipleship class, one person, me, nobody else was there for discipleship class. Zero. Other than me, a teenager. Wow. What a great idea because you can't do, I guess you can't do the discipling from the pulpit. See, I, I, I totally, utterly reject that concept. I've seen it in other settings where the church would do a special class or something and, and you could have five, for, forget even a special class. In my church in uh, Bellevue, Nebraska, I don't know how many hundreds of people were packed in there on a Sunday morning, three, four, five, five I don't know, 300, 400, whatever it was. Wednesday night, we weren't even in the sanctuary. We were downstairs in the quote unquote fellowship hall and a semicircle with metal chairs because that's how few people showed up on a Wednesday night. So you're going to add a Thursday night class now where we can really teach theology and church history? We're really, yeah, nobody's going to show up. 
I so disagree with this. The monological versus dialogical distinction means that there are topics that can and should only be handled in the educational classroom, where feedback can be given, questions asked, and clarifications made. For example, textual criticism. I guess you're not supposed to do that from the pulpit. Well, I fail because I've done that from the pulpit. Theodicy. I think we've talked about it from the pulpit. Maybe, maybe I haven't. Hermeneutics. All the time from the pulpit. All the time from the pulpit. They said this is not possible in the monological situation of a sermon. It's not possible. Who says it's not possible? The people are there. I'm there. They've got a Bible. I've got a Bible. If they don't have a notebook, one can be provided for them. If they don't have a pencil, one can be provided for them. If we need any tools like a Bible dictionary, oh yeah, we can buy one and put one in every pew, which my church has done. Oh, we can have a library where if I need at any point to tell someone, hey, get up and go in the back and, and get that book. We can do that. They say this is not possible in a monological situation of a sermon. Thus, the goal and content of preaching should be kept clearly distinct from what can be done through teaching. Preaching and teaching are overlapping but different functions of the pastor's work. Through our dialogical conversation, my former student came to see the value of what I was advising him. His sermons can be meaty and deep in theological and biblical content as long as he keeps the mode and the ultimate goal in mind when he is writing and delivering his message. Preaching exhorts and invites. He came to see that what his church also needs is another kind of biblical and theological communication, a separate venue where he and other teachers can address a raft of topics and so and do so focusing on nuanced expl- explication and a dialogical environment. Kept, kept distinct, but working in tandem, preaching and teaching together serve the needs of God's church. Now, they don't serve the needs of God's church when you keep them separate that way, because the only people are going to benefit from the teaching are the people who show up at the special class because you can't do it from the pulpit. So the people who just come to church, you know, they're biblically and theologically illiterate, which has been the problem my whole Christian life that every survey constantly says. We've got a problem in the American church. People are biblically illiterate. People are theologically illiterate. They don't know church history. And you say, okay, okay, I'm going to fix it from the pulpit. And then you're like, no, we need preachers. We don't need teachers. Oh, oh no, no. Your, your church is like a seminary. Your church is like a college classroom. I want a, I want a sermon. Well, okay, go get your stinking sermon. And some of us think that we need to fix the problem that people have been screaming about my entire Christian life. I've heard it over and over. I can't find a good church. I can't find any good doctrine or theology. And then they come into your church and they're like, oh, I've never heard teaching like this. And then peace out, dog, gone. Because people think they want that. But then what they really want, they're used to the sermon structure. They listen to like a speech. The pastor needs to use all the techniques you learn in speech class. Got to be clever. Got to be funny. Got to be engaging. Got to have inflection. Don't yell, but don't be monotone. You got to be endearing. You got to win the audience over. You got to make eye contact from the left side, left side of the room to the right side of the room. You got you to use good illustrations and stories. You got to use a little bit of emotion. Know when to use humor. Don't use too much humor or inappropriate humor. And you got to, you know, these are all the techniques and you structure. Don't make it too long. You may not want to make it too short. You want to make sure it's just enough. You want to, you may want to give people one main point to walk away from. All right. You know, all I, I know all of the rules and all the school, all the thoughts because I've read and, and learned them all before. But that's like, am I really dealing with the word of God? Is people really getting anything out of this? Or are they getting a nice, nice speech? But at the sword conference, it was more about we need preachers and almost mocked the teaching. Now they said, no, no, teaching is a good thing, oh, but they want preachers. Now, here's what I would say. After 
I know this, Ezekiel 2, I still don't understand Ezekiel 2. I still don't. I, I, they didn't give me anything, any explanation about Ezekiel 2. They, and we could just walk through here and just talk about uh, so many things here. And, 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 and what, and uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's lots of things we could walk through. Yeah, okay, I'm just I'm just looking. There's a there's a lot here we could we could look, consider there, but I'm not going to start working through the text. But because but they didn't work through the text, and then the second sermon was Acts chapter twenty verses twenty eight through thirty. Acts chapter twenty verses twenty eight through thirty, and I I didn't even I didn't even I I, I didn't even remember really what the text was by the time the, by the time the sermon was over. That's how little we were in it. And, and what was thing is all these people are holding Bibles. You basically open it. You read the, the they read the text. You, Let's stand for the honoring of God's word. So everybody stands and reads it. Okay. Oh yeah, because we're honoring God's word. You read it. And then you can just for, for my, for, I'm, li- I'm not going to be mean, but I'm just going to say, you just as well put your Bible away because they're going to go on 45 minutes talking about everything else other than the actual text that you opened your Bible and stood to honor, but then you don't honor it by actually teaching it. But oh, we don't want to teach it. We want to preach it. And what we mean by preaching it is not explaining it or exegeting it by simply using it so that we can come up some points that then we can try to then exhort to for application, even though those application points may not have anything to do with the actual text. And then we call that preaching and then talk about, oh, if, and they even said, if anyone online is not saying glowing things about this meeting, well, clearly they didn't listen. Well, clearly I did. And here's what I know. I didn't learn anything so far, really, about any specific text. Was there some things that were convicting? Yes. Were there some things I need to consider? Yes. Was I happy for the uh, for some of the messages that were preached? Yes. There's been a couple that I have been very grateful. But it seems that there's this major theological issue between preaching and teaching. Now, I would love for you to tell me. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And if you want to participate in this, what I'm asking you is just to be brutally honest, right? Newsif at yahoo.com. And you don't have to say much. I just, what do you prefer, preaching or teaching? And if you just, and when you go to church, if you want the preaching and that's what you like best, that's okay. That's okay. Look, because I, look, I've tried to say this a million times. I don't care if the other churches preach, but there should be someone somewhere in the world who wants something different. And that's what I always said. I'm going to be different. Now, I'm going down in the sinking ship because clearly it's not successful. Clearly, it's been a failure. Clearly, it's a I mean, look, I'm going to go down. Look, I know this from a human perspective, from a human perspective, I'm going to stand one day. Victory Baptist Church is going to be no more. I mean, look, look, I don't know. We can't get much smaller, right? We're not going to exist anymore. It's going to be gone. And whenever, I don't know what happens to the building, we sell the building, whatever happens. The building becomes something else. I'm I'm, I'm going to, I know I'm going to live to see it because I just, I just, it just, the church is, I just know it's, it's going to come to an end. And when it does, I'm going to know inside of me that I failed. That, I, that my experiment, that my philosophy was the, the wrong one. And it, it's no fun to know you failed. It's no fun to know that you thought that the, because you were told your whole Christian life, hey, we got a problem in the church. People are biblically illiterate, theologically illiterate. You, we've got to do something about it. And I'm like, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. And I came up with this whole philosophy and idea. And then I've tried to stay true to that no, no, with or without offense to friend or foe. No matter if I lost people or gained people, I'm going to stay true to that. Now, have I always handled it the right way? No. Have I made a million mistakes? Absolutely. I have failed a million different ways you can count. But it will be painful to know it did not work. Now, maybe if I was in a different location, maybe I would have found out that maybe, wow, there are some people who love this. But where I'm located, it's a failure. I mean, it's a failure. It's just an abysmal failure. So who am I 
to tell the criticize the sword of the Lord conference because those men are successful. They've got big churches that bring in one of one of the pastors was talking about they've bring in over a million dollars, I guess, a year just for their missions fund. Over a million dollars a year just for their that's not even their general operating expenses. I don't even bring in enough money on this podcast to even cover the expense of the podcast for crying out loud. So clearly I chose the wrong idea and the wrong philosophy. And that's okay, I guess. I I guess I'm going to have to live with that failure. It's going to be sad. It's going to be sad that, that it failed. It really is. But I, but I'm always going to believe that what I was trying to do was the right thing. That if the problem is that people are like, I, I, I'm starving to death. I need deep teaching. I interpreted that. Well, then we need to go straight to this deep teaching. More dialogical dialogue. More the Socratic method, asking questions. Let's get people involved. Let's get people studying. But what the people really wanted was just a different kind of sermon. They wanted the same sermon structure. They just wanted a little bit more meat. They didn't really want the, and maybe that's my mentality. I, I don't go 50%. I go 100%. So maybe I went 100%. And it's going to be sad. I don't know what day. I don't know what day it's going to be. I feel like I'm closer to the day than I've ever been that I'm going to, for the last time, walk out those doors of Victory Baptist Church. I get almost emotional talking about it. And I'm going to get in a car and I'm going to drive away. I'm going to look back in the rearview mirror and know I failed that it was an absolute failure of an experiment. And there's nobody, and I'm the one to blame for it because I didn't execute it correctly. I didn't do it the right way. I didn't, I wasn't able to, to, to explain my, my perspective here. Now, as a podcast, I've been, at least numerically for the numbers of people who listen, I've been somewhat successful there. It's not translated necessarily into like, you know, a ministry where people are supporting you and, you know, in in any major way that way, you know. But I know that all I can do is I've made, I've, I've, they can say we need preachers. I think we need teachers. I just look at it from a different perspective. And maybe biblically I'm wrong. Maybe you could argue. I just don't think the Bible clearly outlines exactly how you're supposed to preach or teach. I don't think it clearly does. If you look at how Jesus preached, we none of us preached that way, right? So then you look at how Peter, maybe in Acts, he, he kind of went to the Old Testament. You could try, some people try to take some of the messages that are recorded in the Bible and try to say, this is how you're supposed to preach, but none of them are really told prescribing. It's more describing. And even then, it, it, we don't know if those were every single word that was said in those sermons. We know that that's what's recorded in scripture. So I don't know. I just felt that there needed to be a different way. The successful way is not my way. The majority way is not my way. So I know I I know I'm I know I'm not successful and I'm knowing I'm not in the majority. So when I drive away that last day, I don't know when that day is coming. I'm just gonna have to be like, well, you failed. And I and I don't know if I'm gonna say that I was wrong. Because I don't know if it's about being right or wrong. I think it was just trying to do something different. Trying to offer, I wanted to be the alternative music to the mainstream. I wanted to be the indie record, not the mainstream pop record. I wanted to be the college indie radio station, not the top 40 radio station. I thought there would be like some people like, yeah, that I'm into that. But I was horribly, horribly wrong. Now. When that ends, does the podcast end? Who knows? Even with the podcast, I've tried once again to do it in a different way. 
I've tried not to follow anyone else. I've tried not to follow the pattern. Pattern Once again, I don't want to be the mainstream. I don't want to be the corporate podcast. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the mainstream top 40. I want to be the alternative. I want to be the indie podcast. I want to be the, I want to be the exception to the rule. I want to do things contrary to it. But there you have it. That, that's the end of day three of the National Sword Conference. A sermon about being a faithful preacher that was more Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson. Also, um, I think it was that sermon where I think at some point I said something to myself like, I think he spent most of this sermon about being a faithful, faithful preacher preaching about himself. It was story, him, 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 everything he did. I think a faithful preacher is someone who takes God's word, stay faithful to the text, and open it up and invite the people together. We're going to, ex- we're going to study it. We're going to work through it. We're going to exegete it. We're going to expound it. We're going to struggle with it, and we're going to understand it. So you'll no longer be two children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, and you have received not a spiritual snack, but an entire meal. Let the debate commence. Preaching, teaching. Does the Bible tell me which one I'm supposed to do? And is my problem is I've been doing the wrong one. And is there room for a church to do things so radically different? You tell me. All right, thanks for listening. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Tomorrow is day four, the last day of the SWORD conference. We will be watching it, monitoring it, talking about it. I still got some notes of other sermons I want to go over, but uh, I think we've had some good conversations and discussions. And so, well, once again, I'm even doing this differently because I don't ever do anything the normal way. So I'll, you know, at this point, I think those who listen to the podcast know I don't do anything in a normal way and they don't expect me to. So I guess that's the only good thing. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.